Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adam. I'm going to say something, and it might surprise you, but I have thought long and hard, and this is my true, authentic opinion, and I believe I'm actually right about this. I think in terms of evaluating Georgia and its chance of repeating as national champions, which is its goal, or as we say it around here, go for two in 22, I think in terms of evaluating Georgia along the way towards that goal before the season is done, the Auburn game might have been the most positive result for the dogs all season. Now, that's not necessarily something you're going to hear in other places, nor is it necessarily something you're going to hear from Georgia coach Kirby Smart. But nonetheless, I still believe that's true. And let me kind of walk through and talk about why here for a moment. First of all, I just want to kind of begin with this because it's a follow-up to what we said uh, on Friday's show. Saturday was just a lot of fun to be in Sanford Stadium. And we've all kind of had our turn complaining about only playing Sanford or only playing Kent State and maybe seeing a version of Georgia that kind of looked like it was playing down to, as we say, the level of its competition and not really feeling like a very big game, not at times maybe feeling like a very big atmosphere and We all just crave that so much. We know there are a few Saturdays during a season where things just feel different, things just feel better, and when you go several weeks without having that in your own stadium, you kind of miss that and you want that. Well, Saturday was that. I thought the tailgating looked like it was really fun from the word go, but very early on Saturday morning, people were getting after it as Georgia fans should, and I thought that looked really good, and then they brought that atmosphere with them into the stadium. The weather was obviously pristine. I don't think you could have gotten better weather than you got for the game uh, against Auburn and I thought the crowd as we challenged them to on Friday remember this on our show on Friday we said hey Kirby Smart last year in October credited you with 10 points in that game against Arkansas and what we asked on the show on Friday was how many points will you be responsible for on this particular Saturday what kind of atmosphere what kind of energy can you create for this particular Saturday well for those of you who were there I think you would acknowledge crowd was a big factor this did feel like a really big game I thought it was really really fun to be a part of all of that just a a really good time and before we kind of get into the stuff between the white lines let me just follow up by letting Kirby Smart praise you for the job that you did between the hedges on Saturday here's Kirby I'll start with thanking the fans I thought uh, the atmosphere was great I knew right when I came out of the tunnel and I looked up in the rafters and uh, it was packed I knew that that Auburn was going to be in for a tough time from the crowd standpoint and a team that had not played on the road, which is tough to do in the SEC. I thought our crowd impacted uh, the game. I mean, that's a great pull quote from Kirby. I looked around and I realized that Auburn was going to be in for a tough time. And that's really fun. I mean, this is why we kind of like college football so much because most of us will never coach the sport. Most of us will never play the sport at this level. But we still get to be a part of the story. Now, not me. I have to sit there like a professional in the, you know, the, uh, what do you call it, the press box and just sort of sit very still and quiet. But but the rest of you, you get to be a part of the story. You get to be credited with part of the win. And Kirby Smart did a great job of that there off the uh, top of his postgame press conference mentioning fans and the role they played in the game. But beyond that, beyond the fact that it just sort of felt fun to be there and felt cool to be a part of a, of a really great atmosphere, there were two things that I thought you saw on Saturday that I believe will travel for Georgia over the course of the rest of the season. One of those is pass rush. And yeah, I know Georgia, I don't believe, was actually credited officially with with a sack in the game. And some people take that as, well, that just goes to show you that the sack total is overrated. 
No, it's not. No, it's not. That's not what this goes to show you. If Georgia pressures quarterbacks for the rest of the season, like it pressured Robbie Ashford on Saturday, here's what I can promise you. Their sack total is going to go up dramatically in the remaining second half of the regular season and certainly into the games that matter most. I thought Georgia pressured the quarterback way better on Saturday. Robbie Ashford's a good athlete. He avoided you know, being sacked, but my gosh, how many bad throws and throwaways did he make simply because he was trying to do anything he could to avoid a sack? That's an example of the kind of pass pressure which will eventually result in more sacks. And frankly, it's the kind of thing I don't believe we saw against Bo Nix week one against Oregon. I don't think we've seen from Georgia maybe as much this season as I would have liked to, but you did see it on Saturday. I believe that can be a harbinger of things to come. And we're not Johnny come lately on this. We even said that after the Oregon game and the South Carolina game, where George was obviously dominating these power five level opponents in, in, in emphatic fashion. Yet in those games, we did talk about what wasn't there. Hey, you know, pass, you know, pressure, not necessarily there. Getting after the quarterback, being aggressive in the backfield, you're not necessarily seeing that. And eventually you do. And the running game, not necessarily there either. More on that coming up in a moment. But we didn't necessarily see that a lot from the Oregon game and the South Carolina game. I think the correct takeaway was from some of those early September games against the Ducks and against the Gamecocks was, Oh my gosh, if Georgia adds this kind of passing game to go along with what the program has typically done well, that's how good Georgia can be. But what we've sort of found out since then is it hasn't quite worked out that way. That what Georgia showed against Oregon, throwing the ball all over the yard, not really running it very much, it was a little bit of an outlier. An outlier both in terms of what Georgia's been since then, but also the best of Georgia under Kirby Smart prior to that. That seemed to be a little bit opponent-dependent. Rookie coach coaching in his first game on the road, several thousand miles from home, as we predicted it would. That was all a big issue. Anything that created a scenario for Georgia that day where they could be stellar by looking like something different than what their established blueprint has been. And maybe the South Carolina game was a little bit of that too. But on Saturday, you saw Georgia, I thought, and you can go back and watch our Dog Nation postgame show, and several other Georgia fans kind of uh, spoke to all this there as well. You saw Georgia look a lot more like what we think Georgia is supposed to be. Nobody wants to be three yards in a cloud of dust, and nobody necessarily wants to be a run-first, run-always offense, but you do have to have the rushing attack. If you want to be elite offensively, you have to have the elite rushing attack because Georgia simply does not have the personnel to be the best passing team in America. That is not a, a possibility that exists for UGA. They will not be the best passing team in the country, but they can be among the very best offenses in the country if they pair what they do well with the passing game with being elite in the running game. And on Saturday, it was kind of the first time all season long you've seen Georgia really kind of even take any step towards being elite when it comes to its ground attack and that's one of the reasons why in addition to the pressure you saw defensively that I sort of thought this was actually probably the best day on balance for Georgia so far this season now when it comes to the rushing attack Kirby Smart wasn't necessarily praising it as much as I am so let's be fair and balanced here and let you hear the other side of the coin on what Georgia did on the ground from Kirby in that post-game press conference this is Kirby from Saturday it was good I mean I still think there's inconsistencies there's things we miss on you know we, we miss a couple we miss a block here guy runs through um, a couple times backs just made people miss we, we had a third and two that, that we didn't touch anybody and Dejan made two people miss but it was it was much better at the line of scrimmage uh, we, we played uh, more physical at the line of scrimmage and I thought that we wore the other team down which you know the environment was a little different too it's just uh, the, the heat wears on defensive linemen and some teams have more they can use and some teams don't 
it's really funny to me a few times this year in which I wasn't happy with the rushing game at all Kirby Smart in his postgame press conference talked about how happy he was with it and on this game when I thought the rushing attack really looked like RBU style football from Georgia you know Kirby kind of goes the other direction he has a tendency to zig when some of us are zagging and then zagging when some of us are zigging and I guess that's his prerogative and you can kind of decide who's right and who's not when it comes to, to stuff like that but for me on Saturday Georgia I thought made a statement that it can bring the rushing attack back into the story again and add that to what it has the the capability of at least of doing well through the air and suddenly that becomes a pretty powerful team if you can add those things there together now when I'm saying all this here's what the one thing I can hear some of you shouting back at your device whether it be you know however you're connecting with this on the show today here's the one thing I can hear some of y'all say well, what about Stetson Bennett what about the passing game trust me we're going to get there we're going to talk about what georgia didn't do well on saturday i promise you that we're going to spend a few minutes on that coming up in uh, just a moment i promise you we're going to get there but here's the way i think you ought to be thinking about saturday's game for those of you who have run your own business something like that think about this as a ledger think about this as a you know profit loss type deal think about this as sort of debits and credits think about this as sort of a good side and a bad side when you add up everything that happened for Georgia on Saturday, putting the struggles of the passing game on there very prominently on the list of things that weren't good enough. But overall, if your checklist doesn't have way more in the positive side than it does in the negative side, I don't think you're paying attention. I really don't. And when it comes to the actual recipe for what championship football would be for Georgia, I believe you saw more of that against Auburn than you did against Oregon, than you did against South Carolina. This actually may have been the biggest step towards elite status that maybe Georgia is has taken all year long. And if I'm right about that, then maybe that step's coming at exactly the right time. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, and we're happy to have you with us no matter how you uh, join us today. As I said before, you know, some of you watch on the phone, some of you put it on your big screen TV, some of you just kind of, you know, all kinds of ways. You listen to it as a podcast, obviously, and whichever your way is, we're just glad to have you with us, whether it be uh, live at 945 on dognation.com, the Dog Nation app. 10 a.m facebook youtube twitter twitch of course many of you watch the show actually later you kind of do it as kind of an on-demand thing the overwhelming majority of you obviously can't watch live so we're happy you watch when you can obviously podcast stuff very much the same way just glad to have you connecting with dog nation daily today and a huge huge thanks to our friends at Pella Window and Door of Georgia for making all of this possible. We couldn't do what we do if not for great sponsors. And boy, Pella's one of the best, and we're happy to have them with us as a part of the show today. Not just the best because of what they do for us, but they're viewed to be the best as well because of what they do for you when it comes to better doors, better windows. You may know your house needs them. You see evidence that things aren't quite the way they're supposed to be. Maybe your energy bills are kind of going up because some of the energy that's supposed to be inside your house kind of creeping outside where it's not supposed to be. Improperly fitted windows and doors or just windows and doors that have kind of exceeded their shelf life. Time to get those replaced. And let's face it, when it comes to being a good neighbor, one of the best ways you can be a good neighbor is to have a home that looks great on the outside. Your neighbors appreciate that. Certainly, it has the potential to improve your resale value, and goodness knows your neighbors are going to love that. Taking good care of your home is something that's really important to you. No better way to take care of it than by replacing your old windows and doors with the quality product that Pella provides. In fact, it's maybe time for you to have a consultation, no pressure, of course, with one of those Pella experts. They can talk you through their entire product line. You can actually visit them at their experience center in Duluth, put your hands on the product, and feel what makes it so much better what makes it so uh, wonderful 
and then make the decision to talk about the installation options and all the stuff that can kind of come your way through all of that. You can also get great savings as well. Between now and Halloween on October 31st, you can get 10% off your entire project or a reduced rate of 6.99% for 120 months. So a great way to help you pay for this great, great quality product from Pella between now and October 31st. And don't forget, new experience center there in Duluth. You can check that out or you can uh, give them a call, 678-638-1429. That's 678-638-1429 or PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. So PellaofGA.com slash DogNation or give them a call at this number. I want you to hear this carefully, 678-638-1429. That's 678-638-1429. Check out our friends at Pella Window and Door of Georgia and find out why. Homeowners in Atlanta, folks around the state of Georgia and all over have for a long time, looked at Pella Window and Door of Georgia and known that it's viewed to be the best. All right, so uh, good to have Pella with us. Good to have John Stinchcomb coming up here in just a moment. And uh, good to now go around the doghouse, assisted today by AAA. So we talked off the top of the show why I thought there was a lot of good for Georgia on Saturday. And on balance, I thought far more good than not. However, there was one area in which Georgia was not at a championship level on Saturday, to be sure, that was the passing game. And some of that, obviously, you put right there on the quarterback, Stetson Bennett, who did not have a very good day, especially in the first half. Uh, the Georgia passing game was just really struggling to get going. Some folks left to wonder, does that mean Stetson's injured? Is his shoulder bothering him? Or, or you know, what, what's going on here? What is the story with why the Georgia passing attack, and Stetson Bennett in particular, what is the story about why this just wasn't very good for the dogs on uh, the, the game against Auburn? I think it's appropriate for us to have that conversation. Let's use some quotes to help us do it. First of all, Stetson Bennett, when the game was over, he gave his evaluation of maybe why things weren't great for the dog, uh, great for him in particular. This is what Stetson Bennett said about that. I think we were pressing a little bit in the, in the first half because, you know, we, we all want so bad to freaking be, you know, be the best. Uh, but – I don't know. Um, towards the end, we, we started, you know, just having fun, man. Just throw it and catch it. Just beat your man. I'll throw you the ball and catch it. Either run some more or fall down. Like that's, I mean, and I think in the first half we we're pressing, man. We weren't having fun. Fun is a word you've used. You've heard me use a lot. When it comes to evaluating the Georgia offense, I told you before that some things in life you can kind of thin slice. You don't need to know everything. You just need to know the most important thing. And, you know, there's a million stats you can look at for offense. But I've told you, hey, if Georgia looks like it's having fun, then things are probably going well. And there are some times the Georgia passing attack lately, Bennett in particular, where it sort of doesn't really look like he's having fun. And that's kind of also kind of all you need to know there as well, that ooh, this may be, as Bennett said, a team that's just sort of pressing too much, a little too tight right now. Uh, a team that certainly, when it comes to throwing the football the last couple of games, has had a hard time finding success, a hard time getting it going. Bennett says maybe it's just because of pressing too much. However, it's kind of worth pointing out here that Smart, when asked the same kind of question about the idea of pressing or trying too hard, it sounds like Smart doesn't necessarily buy into that. This was his assessment of that on Saturday night there, too. I can't define it if somebody's pressing. Certainly not uh, clicking the way we'd like to. Some of that falls on a little responsibility on everybody. We, I mean, we take turns having lack of execution. And when you play really good teams that score lots of points, you can't do that. You've got to value every possession. And uh, we, we, we didn't click. When we click, we roll. And then if we don't get started, we, we tend to dry out. We had several three-and-outs where it was like, 
Was that a wasted opportunity? You know, like, like we got to get first downs, change the field position, be explosive. And, and, you know, some of that has to do with, with some injuries and some guys being dinged up. Uh, but some of that has to do with uh, Stetson. He knows he's got to continue to play and play better. And we got to arm Stetson with people around him. You know, he's got to have guys around him that can really help him. You can't be one-dimensional and be explosive. There is zero doubt in my mind that what Smart is saying right there is true. Georgia has to be better throwing the ball than it was on balance on Saturday, especially some of the struggles very early in the game. It just sort of has to be better than that. Now, here's the appropriate way to have this conversation. Obviously, if you're really connected to sort of dog fandom online, sometimes you see a different version of this. But the appropriate way to have this conversation is to kind of contain it within the present tense. What happened on Saturday needs to be better. Now, some people want to take this as, a referendum on what happened in the past. I've been trying to tell you for a year, Stetson Bennett ain't no good. Like, obviously, that's kind of a toxic viewpoint on this. Nothing about what happened for George on Saturday is a referendum on something that's happened in the past. Pretty clearly, Bennett's credentials and his uh, his accomplishments stand up and speak for themselves. Nor is any of this any kind of, like, accurate prediction about what's going to happen in the future. If that were the case, then all the people who were telling you a year ago, well, Georgia ain't never going to win a national championship with Stetson Bennett and its quarterback. Well, clearly they've already been proven wrong on that. So the same people who want to tell you now, Georgia can't beat Tennessee playing this way. Georgia can't you know, do whatever you know, playing you know, this way. Folks have already proven you they're incapable of making accurate predictions because they failed to predict correctly a year ago how well Georgia played in the future. So what's going on with Georgia right now when it comes to throwing the football isn't about the past. The past has already been decided. It isn't about the future. We can't know good, bad, or anything in between what will happen in the future. But in the present tense, Georgia is not playing It's with its passing attack, Bennett in particular, as well as it could, uh, certainly on Saturday, and as well as it needs to. It has to get better than this. There was a point last year you may have said the same thing, and guess what? Georgia did get better. Georgia threw the ball really well in both of its playoff games, for instance, against both Michigan and Alabama. An improvement is kind of once again needed if Georgia wants to be where it can be at the end of the season. The biggest issue for me was there were chances at big plays on Saturday, and they were they were just missed. Brock Bowers had a wide open touchdown. Bowers showed you his ability to kind of extend himself and get green, uh, you know, sort of green grass between him and a defender, get some daylight between him and a defender. And Bennett just missed him and had a chance to hit Vlad McConkey in a really deep touchdown, too. And you know, maybe McConkey had a chance to make that catch, but the truth is it was not a good throw by Stetson Bennett, just sort of missed him. And once again, you know, Kirby Smart didn't really hold back in his evaluation of those moments in which Georgia could have added more big plays to its ledger on Saturday and just didn't do it. Here's Kirby after the game again. Yeah, I was frustrated on any of them, right? We had Brock on one and uh, Ladd on one, and then they brought up field pressure where he had Oscar late, you know, and he was a little high on it. And that's going to be the first to tell you he missed those. You know, we got we got to get rhythm and we got to help them. We got to be able to do those those shot plays in practice. And you hit any one of those three, and, and uh, all we're talking about is how explosive we were. We got to we got to try to hit some of them. Yeah, so I, I like Kirby Smart saying that, but I would also add to this the same thing I said after the Missouri game the other day. What did you see really positively from Stetson on Saturday? He had the 60-plus yard touchdown run. Do you know how hard it is to create an explosive play of that magnitude? And do you know why it was capable of uh, being created? Because Stetson Bennett's a really good running quarterback, and he also had a hole the size of uh, Oconee County to run through. But but Stetson Bennett is a good running quarterback. That's one of the most important facets of what he brings to the table. So one of the things I do wish George would do more is, is when he's having those passing game struggles the way that he clearly was on Saturday, 
let him run more. I mean, this is what we've been told is kind of a differentiating factor between him as quarterback and maybe other guys. So showcase that more, use it more. And I thought that's Terrence Edwards. Once again, I'll invite you to go back and watch our Dog Nation postgame show from Saturday. But I thought that Terrence Edwards also brought up a really good point, too, where he said, hey, I actually like to watch Bennett throw the ball when he's on the run, too. This is not just running quarterback, running for those positive yards, but it's also running around and keeping plays alive and keeping defenses off balance there and throwing when he's on the run. Terrence, who obviously knows more about this than I do, was saying that he thought that Bennett actually became a better passer when he was on the move, something that might be somewhat counterintuitive, but in Terrence's perspective, that's what he sees going on there. So to get back to the word that Bennett used a moment ago, let's make it fun for Georgia. Part of the ways that you make that fun is showcasing what makes Bennett different. He's good with his legs. He can run for touchdowns. He's got a rushing touchdown in all but one Georgia game uh, thus far this season. And he's also kind of good when he's on the move. That's the rhythm that Georgia offensively seems to thrive on. I think it's the responsibility of Todd Munkin, and the responsibility of Kirby Smart to get Bennett into that kind of stuff more. I mean, here's the overall bottom line. Georgia is not going to be the best passing team in America. They don't have the quarterback for that. They don't have the wide receivers for that. They are not going to line up and just air attack you all day long. Yes, they did that against Oregon, but Oregon's not sniffing a competition for the college football playoff. I'm not quite so sure that that game's all that relevant for Georgia's largest overall pursuit. That the ceiling for Bennett as a passer is good quarterback. To his credit, he is a good quarterback. I don't think anyone can deny that. But Bennett, I believe, has the potential to become a great player when you add his good traditional quarterbacking skills with his obvious athleticism. When you pair those two things together, that makes him a very, very dangerous player. And Georgia, I think, just needs to unleash more of the athleticism. Let Bennett be Bennett. Let Bennett do more of what he did on Saturday, running for a long touchdown. Let him get on the move, create that element to the offense. When you've got struggles in the traditional passing game i think it's your responsibility to be somewhat non-traditional you've got a non-traditional quarterback so lean into that and get more out of that but there's no doubt bottom line on a day that on balance was very good for georgia bennett was not as good as he needs to be responsibility kind of rests with him and rest with this georgia offense to sort of fix that going forward and we saw a year ago was they played well when they needed to and uh, we'll see if that same path has traveled here in 2022 as well that is around the doghouse and it's assisted today by our friends at AAA. And a weekend like this, I'm driving around a lot in Carrollton for high school football, in Athens on Saturday, back home again late Saturday night. When I'm driving like that or when my family is driving around without me, uh, you better believe that we're all really glad to have those AAA membership cards because that gives us some peace of mind in case something goes wrong while we're on the road. But also, AAA is there for you when things go wrong when it comes to your insurance there, too. You have an issue with your house, got a claim there, or you got an issue with your automobile, claim there. AAA, from an insurance standpoint, is also something I want you to really think about when you think about AAA. You can switch and save on your auto insurance with AAA and put a lot of money back in your pocket and uh, also a great satisfaction rate there, too. Those who are getting the auto insurance through AAA uh, have given AAA a 93% satisfaction rate. So clearly, they're doing something right. If that many folks are that happy and they're all also potentially putting hundreds of dollars back in your pocket just for making the switch. So you need to find a branch near you to talk about all the options that are available when it comes to auto insurance through AAA. So call this number, 833-718-2075. That's 833-718-2075. Find a branch near you and make the switch to AAA for your auto insurance today. All right, great to have you here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Palo Window and Door of Georgia today. Before we're done, Speaking of Stetson Bennett, 
I thought that Bennett said something on Saturday that was really, really powerful. And if you can stick with us for the full show, I know a lot of you are busy, you got a lot, lot going on. But if you can stick with us for the full show today, before we're done, I think you're going to really like this. And it's not about his performance. It's not about the stuff happening between the white lines. It's sort of about the bigger picture as it relates to Georgia football. And I thought, that, I thought this was particularly relevant after Saturday. So we're going to give you a chance to hear that before we're done. But for now, we'll also get into some of the other stuff around the SEC. Very fascinating weekend here. Away from Athens and away from UGA, we'll cover a lot of those bases there too. But for now. What went wrong with Stetson Bennett? What went right around Stetson with some of the other guys uh, and some of the other facets of the uh, Georgia football machine? Let's cover all of those bases right now with the great former Georgia All-American John Stinchcomb here on Dog Nation Daily presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Uh, say hello to John Stinchcomb here. Always appreciate his voice on a day like this. Uh, George gets a rivalry win. <laughs> Easy for me to say. Rivalry win, 42-10 over Auburn. Back to number one in the uh, polls, too. We'll get more into that in, in a moment. Uh, but, John, there was also, as I mentioned before, the – I would say troubling play from Stetson Bennett. I don't think he looked uh, his best on Saturday. Some people say maybe that's because he's a little bit banged up, the shoulder injury maybe bothering him more than he's wanting to let on right now. But on a day that on balance I thought was really good for Georgia, Bennett was not good. And what did you make of what you saw from Stetson on Saturday? Yeah, I, I think early on you saw him press a little bit more, and that's not his game. I mean, I think uh, you listened to what he said after the game and – it speaks to the fact that he was able to relax and just not play as tight, and that's what I think it was. Early on in that first half, um, he's trying to silence all the doubters and put more weight on his shoulders and say, you know, we are much better than what people are giving us credit for based on our last two performances, and he played tight. And he saw some overthrows and underthrows and just wasn't the – type game that we've come to expect now from him and you know there's folks that are ready for uh, Stetson for Heisman campaign and uh, I think he was feeling a little of that pressure and then you see later in the game him settle down and rip off one of the longer runs of if not the longest run of the season and him make some really nice throws and you know, after the game he's talking about how they were able to just loosen up a little bit and uh, I think he's spot on. I think early on he was trying to just press too much, and you saw the effects of it. I think he needs to run it more, t- uh, John. I just do. I, mm. I, th- I think that – I'm not saying that you know he's going to run it every play or anything like that, but, I mean, the differentiator for Bennett is his athleticism. I mean, the ceiling for Georgia in a traditional passing game – they're not going to be the best passing team in the country. You know, Bennett's on the future first-round pick. I don't believe they have any future first-round picks among their traditional wide receivers. This is not going to be a team that throws it for 50 points per game. That's just not what Georgia is kind of built to be. But they can be built to be an elite offense, but it's got to have a mixture of a lot of different things. And I believe some of that should be Bennett on the ground. He is a very, very difficult you know, uh, competitor to deal with when it comes to what he can do with his legs. Generically speaking, quarterback runs are among the most efficient plays in the sport anyway because they just catch defenses off guard frequently. Um, I, I think that that you just need to see Bennett on the move for a lot more than you've kind of seen it here over the course of the last couple of weeks. How do you feel about that? I think he's sneaky fast. 
Yeah. I think you watch him run and you're like, yeah, that guy's not that fast. And then he keeps outrunning linebackers. And he, that's one of his best weapons. And whether it's designed RPOs, which we saw a lot more of last year, um, and where, where he could pull it and, and be a run option. We haven't seen quite as much of that this year, but one of his greatest attributes is he's got sneaky speed where you get him on the edge, you call those designed quarterback draws, and he knows what to what to do um, on the hoof. And I think that's absolutely one of the threats that we haven't really maximized uh, from an offensive standpoint is utilizing his ability to create with his legs. And I would, I, I'm in that camp, buddy. You can put me right alongside you of trying to create more opportunities for him to threaten defense by uh, making them honor uh, his ability to run the ball. I think that changes the way defenses have to play and he continues to hurt uh, the defenses when, uh, when he does give, get those opportunities. So I think it opens things up a good bit. And I also, uh, you know, you, you, you complement the run game more considering we don't have the, you know, the Nick Chubb back there or the DeAndre Swift that we've had in years past. I think we've got really good running backs, but not that elite level running back. And so, um, we've been creative and finding ways of getting like Brock Bowers and those, uh, jet sweep type, uh, plays that probably have gone down as passes because they come in front of a, uh, shotgun Stetson Bennett, but, uh, really they're just wide sweeps. And so we've, we've tried to expand and, and figure out different ways of running the ball. Um, and let's also admit that this was by far our best rushing performance yeah. of the year. And a big chunk of that came and, uh, Stetson Bennett's ability to, to break off that long run. Yeah, so along with that, looking at some of the other key takeaways from the game on Saturday, maybe you'll, you said you agree with me on the Bennett point. Maybe you'll disagree with me on this. And if you do, I'd love to hear you make you know your, your thoughts known. I thought away from Bennett that on balance, this may have been the best day for Georgia all season in terms of the actual recipe for winning a championship. You got to run the ball better than you had coming into Saturday. And on Saturday, Georgia did. I thought the traditional rushing attack with running backs being aided by the offensive line, that looked like Georgia to me, John. And defensively, I know they didn't officially sack Robbie Ashford, but if you chase quarterbacks with the relentless pressure that you chased Ashford all day long, I can promise you this, the sacks are going to come for Georgia. That, that sack total is going to come up. I thought this was a very aggressive-looking defense. This, to me, is what Georgia football is. It's, it, it's some throwing the football. It's some running the ball. It's a lot of truly elite, aggressive, dynamic defense. And on Saturday, you sort of had everything but the passing attack. And I'll take that halfway through the regular season. I thought Georgia played a dominant game against a bad team. I thought they made them look exactly as bad as they're supposed to look. And for me, on balance, this may have been the most predictive uh, game of the season in terms of where Georgia can be when it's all said and done. Is that taking it too far in your mind? Well, I want to see them to have that kind of physicality against a, a better defensive front. And I am absolutely throwing shade at Auburn right sure. now because uh, Missouri's defensive front took it to us. And I was kind of searching for the right word to describe how we played. And it came to me too late. We were soft. 
and that's not a play, good place to be. Yeah. And I think our offensive line heard that all week long of you got out physical, you got whipped up front. And so you come out against Auburn, and they had answered the bell. The challenge was set at their feet, and they, you know, they rose to that occasion of we will not uh, have that happen to us this week. And let's see how many times in a row that that could be the case because up front they they manhandled that Auburn box and uh, from a variety of different ways. And that's why we saw for the first time, I think, a rushing attack that you say, ooh, this is what I was expecting coming into the season that can complement all of the aerial weapons that, that Georgia has. And um, it was it was very encouraging. Now, we haven't seen that that combination yet. I mean, even week one, which was by far the best complete performance of a team um, that, to, to start the year where uh, first seven series ends in touchdowns against Oregon, that was mostly predominantly through the air. Yeah. And I think when you have that kind of weaponry and you combine it with a rushing attack that was as physical as Georgia was on Saturday, that's how you get to that elite uh, status. And, and that's what Georgia's going to need. And, you, know, you don't need that against Auburn. You won't need that against Vandy. But that's not what this team is playing for. This team is playing for national championships on an annual basis, and you're going to face some boy dogs up front that you have to be able to uh, punch in, in both ways, through through the air and on the ground. So it's it's a this is a young team that's continuing to develop, and I think that's what's most encouraging is um, it's not a finished product. And you started off so strong out of the gates against Oregon and you realized, uh, you know, hey, we we have a lot more growing up to do and it has uh, our eyes have been opened uh, through this section of the season that uh, we still have to go to work and bring our lunch pail and, you know, Monday through Friday matters because uh, we are so young and we are still developing and this is a long road, but I think Georgia offensively took a huge step forward this weekend. Let me also kind of approach this from a slightly different angle as well. Is that I get the sense that some people kind of wanted to put this in the same category of whatever Missouri was and what Kent State was the week before that in terms of listless and lifeless. And you know, people want to talk about slow start for Georgia. But for me, John, and I'm being serious here, for me, the thing about Saturday's game was all of the ineffectiveness was kind of contained to just the one area. It was pretty obvious that Georgia was not going to have a great day throwing the football. But other than that, defense didn't get off to a slow start. I don't think the rushing attack really got off to a slow start. You just can't run every play. So I'm not putting this Auburn game anywhere near the category of you know uh, the snooze fest against Kent State, the really pretty ugly and kind of lucky to win type game against Missouri. To me, John, the Auburn game does not belong in that category whatsoever. This was a game which Georgia did not throw it well, especially early. But other than that, I mean, I, I'm giving passing grades across the board to everything else that Georgia tried on Saturday. Maybe a little bit of special team stuff. Obviously, Lad dropped a punt again. But but to me, the issues on Saturday were solely, I believe, contained to the passing game for the most part. And that's a big step forward for me from where Georgia has been the last two weeks. Yeah, well, let, let's talk about this defense. And um, I, th- I almost feel like they've gotten a bad rap because of 
the situations they've been put in because of our offense. And you look at the turnovers, uh, both against Kent State and um, Missouri those past two weeks, and they're playing on a short field and, and really some difficult spots to be in. And um, the offense needs to take some ownership of that. You create those turnovers early on and you're playing chase, um, I, you know, it, it, is the defense what it was last year? No. Are they still really, really good? Absolutely. And they were relentless again on Saturday. So the numbers may not be as re- reflective of what I see on the field, but um, this defense is a really, really good group. And that drop-off that everyone was expecting from last year's historically good defense to, to this one I don't think has been nearly as dramatic. And um, as, as young players, which, heck, you lose that many to the NFL and the transfer portal, uh, you're going to be relying on a lot of new faces. As these young players um, just gain experience, they're only going to get better. And I think that's what's so exciting is you know, recognizing that you've got some special, special talented guys uh, that are young and still wet behind the ears, Malachi Starks and, and Michael Williams and uh, you know, just really across the board, guys that are young that continue to make plays and recognize that their best days are still in front of them. I think that's really exciting. I'd also throw out Warren Brinson. Uh, I thought had one of his best games yeah. of his career on Saturday. So you're starting to see guys um, just develop and, and recognize their opportunities and plug in and pour in when when they get the chance. So I think this defense has uh, done a lot of the uh, work and carried the water for this team, especially these past two or three weeks, and looks to be um, every much a part of, of a winning recipe as anything is, uh, as you go forward in this season. So Georgia back number one in the AP poll after Saturday. And I think the other takeaway from the weekend here, John, is is that the feeling in the remainder of the schedule, A, it's going to be maybe a little bit different than some people thought it might be, but also way different than it has been. You know, the thing I keep coming back to is what a lot of folks kind of viewed the last few weeks to be for Georgia, one of those things where maybe at times Georgia hasn't been all that impressive, but based on who Georgia was playing, it was almost impossible for Georgia to be impressive. It's just been kind of a continual streak of lackluster type opponents where you don't really have much to prove. Well, after you play Vanderbilt on Saturday – and then you have the off week after that going ahead to future weeks you know it's a florida team that's always you know a, a big rivalry game you know suddenly you know mississippi state has the potential to be a really big atmosphere and a lot of uh, attention being paid to what might be a battle of two pretty highly ranked teams obviously the tennessee game has the potential here in athens to be very big one of the bigger home games that maybe georgia's played in quite some time especially given what what could happen third saturday in october coming up here this weekend i think as Georgia kind of gets back to number one in the AP poll, the other thing, John, you're left to conclude is is that while we haven't played, uh, seen Georgia in a lot of sort of like marquee style games here this year, you know, end of October, going into November, there are going to be a lot more bigger, just bigger games on the horizon for Georgia, it would seem. Oh, yeah. And I, I'm getting excited, and I, I think I'm not alone in this. And obviously, you're right in that same camp with me that yeah. <clears throat> the end of the season is really setting up to be a fun one. And I, I think it comes at a good time. I would hate to have seen uh, a sneaky Mississippi State team or Kentucky team, especially not Tennessee, these past 
two weeks, the same time we met up with Kent State and Missouri, and we're not playing our best ball. And I think what that's done is given us an opportunity to you know, recognize there's still a lot of work left, but our ceiling is as high as anyone's in the country. And so how can we get up to speed across the board um, in all aspects of the game in preparation for those? And, and I think that's what we're, we're witnessing is a ramp up and a development of a, of a young team. And uh, it will come down to a, a pretty exciting end of October, November against some good teams. And they're, you know, they're not great. Let's be honest that they're, they're, they're good, which is, um, I think what it should be. I think that's a, a good test for Georgia to go up against those teams and, and show that they belong at the in that number one spot. And to do that, you have to earn it. And um, credit to Tennessee and Mississippi State and Kentucky and Florida and uh, for for you know battling to become <laughs> mid tier, upper mid tier teams yeah. and. Um, and, and it will be one of those tests that will prepare Georgia for that postseason, which is what you know everyone's focused on uh, when you're when you're a part of this dog nation. Is you know, we're we're here to win national championships, and part of that process is proving that you can handle your business against good teams. And, and Georgia will have that opportunity in spades over the next month and a half. John, great stuff. Thank you for being here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Palo Endo and Door of Georgia today. And as you said, I'm just like you, looking forward to what's going to be a great stretch of games for the dogs coming up here soon. The meat of the college football season is almost upon us here. So uh, we're looking forward to that and can't wait to talk to you about it. And thanks for being here to talk to us about always fun beating Auburn in the Deep South's oldest rivalry. We appreciate your opinions on that, too. Oh, isn't it great? I it love is. it that Auburn is so far off their game. Oh, my gosh. basketball school now. So yeah. That's a good thing. But hey, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, BA, and go dogs. Thank you, John. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, hard times for Auburn, indeed. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. I'll also say this, just to kind of follow up on John was saying. Not only is he looking forward to these big games, not only am I looking forward to these big games, I think Georgia's probably looking forward to them, too. This is a team that I, th- I think we're in kind of an age now in which big players, big-time players, want to validate themselves by playing in the biggest possible games. There is a competitive fire for that. I think that Georgia's going to respond to that as these games come around. And to the average fan, some of these games on the Georgia schedule now appear to be much bigger than they may have at one point in time. More on that in a moment and more on that throughout the week. But at least that's something to consider. Also, let's consider this cruising around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean i continue to hear from so many dog fans who plan on joining us for that great cruise experience coming up in april and so many of you the same way are looking forward to your own royal caribbean cruise vacation whether it be late 2022 some of you kind of thinking about that bye week coming up you may have some cruise travel plan there early 2023 i like winter getaways just because i don't like winter so anything i can do to stay away from the winter uh, is exactly what i'm going to try to do so planning a cruise kind of away from the uh <laughs> away from the bitter cold now georgia doesn't get quite as cold as it gets other places but it gets colder than i want it to be so uh all the more reason to be on a royal caribbean cruise ship because it's always beautiful in the bahamas and the caribbean and the places that these royal caribbean ships sail to it's always beautiful they are 12 months out of the year so 
uh, you better believe that that is where I'm going. And we want to see you in April as well for our Dog Nation cruise. Jessica Slater is a great travel agent. She has been specially selected for us by Royal Caribbean because we need a great agent to book all the staterooms that we're booking to be on board Independence of the Seas, leaving out April 24th from Port Canaveral, going to Nassau on the Bahamas. Perfect day, Coco Cay. You got to have a great travel agent because we're just booking these things left and right. And so we got to have somebody like Jessica to help us do that. And she's uh, terrific. So she's actually made a website. You can learn more about the Dog Nation Cruise. It's RoyalDogs.com. RoyalDogs.com. You can find out more about that. You can also give her a call. 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. Ask her your questions like, hey, BA said this is fun. Is it really going to be fun? Why is it going to be fun? What are we going to be doing? She'll tell you about the great things that you can do on board a Royal Caribbean cruise ship, but also the special Dog Nation events too. So she's got you covered on all that. So make sure you uh, reach out and speak to her there today. All right. In a moment, as promised, I want you to hear something really good from Stetson Bennett. And I think it leads us to like, I don't know, maybe kind of an evaluation of how all of us kind of view Georgia football. I think we'll do this here in a minute. We're not going to do it for really long because I don't think it requires doing it for very long, but it's at least worth considering. We'll do that before we're all said and done. For now, though, a lot of very interesting results from college football on Saturday. The Alabama-Texas A&M game on Saturday night was more interesting than some folks maybe thought it was going to be. A&M had obviously been struggling coming into the game, but they gave Alabama and its Bryce Young-less offense everything that it wanted on Saturday and had a chance to win the game late. And then everybody's going to be talking about this final sequence of the game where they're pretty clearly trying to get the football to Evan Stewart. Uh, it looked like Stewart may have been you know, held, interfered with. It was also a terrible throw by uh, uh, Haynes King there. And it ends up being you know the final play of the game and Alabama beats Texas A&M. And I was kind of thinking about this. There is pretty clearly no love loss between Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban, even though they've kind of made nice and put all this behind them publicly. Privately, it's pretty obvious that Saban wanted some measure of revenge against Jimbo Fisher. And he didn't get it in tune of a 50-point win or anything like that. But in terms of really kind of tightening the screws on Jimbo Fisher, I actually think this result may have done more damage to Fisher than another kind of game potentially could have. And I'll tell you why. You may have heard um, folks saying, and you know, Nick Saban's even talked about this a little bit too, that on that final play, Jimbo could be overheard saying, Stewart, 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 throw the ball to Stewart. That's what they you know, wanted to do there. Basically, this is how predictable the Texas A&M offense is, that they're calling out the receiver they want the ball to go to. Alabama's obviously ready for it. It wasn't a very clever play uh, call. It was an awful throw. And by the way, Jimbo Fisher does himself no favors. You may have heard him say, in terms of excusing away the game, hey, you got to realize we're playing with our backup quarterback. Like what? A, and, and I like Jimbo more than some of y'all do. But what a weaselly thing to say when it's fairly obvious that King has been your hand-picked quarterback each of the last two years, uh, and you had to only replace him a couple of weeks ago with Max Johnson. And yeah, Johnson did get hurt. But the idea that now you're calling King your backup quarterback when he's been the guy you believed in, almost to the total exclusion of anybody else, that's the kind of thing that doesn't do Jimbo Fisher very many favors with a lot of his you know kind of critics at large there. But ultimately, this is a day in which you know Jimbo's offensive ineptitude the inability to kind of create anything any you know dynamic whatsoever Texas A&M just doesn't have it you know A-Chain's a really good player uh they're obviously still playing pretty good defense even post Mike Elko at least you know you know better defense than 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 not but having a chance to win that game late against Alabama and they just can't dig deep and do it they're just not just not capable of doing it on the flip side of that Tennessee makes a pretty big statement on the road LSU on Saturday 
I feel pretty comfortable talking about the Vols, though, because we've made a pick on the record about every big Tennessee game thus far this year, and we've nailed every single one of them. We've had a very good handle on what Tennessee is. And Saturday, for me, was really the first time all season long that Tennessee exceeded expectations. And some of this is just related to the fact that we think that LSU, total frauds. Uh, we said that going into the game against Auburn. We didn't trust them there in that spot, and they were you know, lucky to win. Coming back home, this is just not the kind of team that's capable of putting any kind of pressure on anybody right now. Now, Tennessee, to its credit, won by even far more than the expectations were. But this is really the first time this year Tennessee's done that. They didn't meet expectations against Florida a couple of weeks ago and only barely met the expectations on the road at Pitt in the other sort of marquee-style game they played. So now, third Saturday in October, they get ready to host Alabama on Saturday. And this is going to be a one-way street this week, folks, and you already know it. Everyone is going to be lining up behind the Vols to finally break that streak. First of all, not even a streak in terms of beating Alabama, although that's a very long one. You're talking about a streak of just sort of playing a top 10 type matchup. This is the first top 10 matchup of any kind Tennessee has played in since 2016, ironically also against Alabama. So prepare yourself for this now. It is going to be a one-way street of praise and hype for Tennessee. And I'm telling you right now, that is a simp take. That is potentially, once again, too much too soon. Just be, We're going to have a lot of thoughts about Alabama-Tennessee throughout the week. Just, just know that. But just be very prepared to hear a lot of hype for the Vols in this game and at least prepare yourself for the possibility that all angles aren't being fully considered as that discussion is ongoing. Now, the team that Georgia beat on Saturday, Auburn, what's the future of Brian Harson? I have been a believer for a while that Harson will be fired in season. Saturday's game, I think, only uh, only substantiates that even further. Now, do you do it? you know after the Ole Miss game on Saturday because you have a bye week coming after that maybe that's the possibility but I do believe the boosters that want Harson gone and have wanted him gone since he was hired eventually they'll get their way Harson will be removed from his duties and then you're kind of left to wonder where does Auburn go next because this is pretty clearly uh not a talented roster the boosters have wanted Kevin Steele former DC now at Miami maybe they'll get their wish maybe that's what they'll do but I kind of found myself thinking about this they're going to have to make a push for better assistant coaches they've just got to have more guys that know the landscape of the sec it's one of the reasons why they need mike bobo as their offensive coordinator and harson's inability to get along with guys like that one of the reasons why he's going to be one of the biggest failures in sec coaching history they're just going to have they're going to have to bolster their their staff they're going to have to get better assistance would not surprise me enough if they make a big run at a guy like say del mcgee would not surprise me at all if they make a big push you know towards that does mcgee want to go back to his alma mater I, I don't know but in terms of spending big on bringing back guys who know what auburn's kind of supposed to be at least in their mind and guys that can leverage the kind of the high school communities around that it's almost more important to me the assistant coaches that Auburn hires next more so than the head coach because of all the failures at Auburn, it's the personnel failings that are probably the most substantial. There just aren't very many guys on that team that could play for teams like Georgia or teams like Alabama or other teams in the SEC. This is just a very, very soft, weak, unimpressive roster, and a lot of recruiting failures have had to add up in order for that to be true. Uh, I'll also briefly mention this. We'll probably do more tomorrow on the funny uh, Frank, uh, excuse me, Shane Beamer response to what Mark Stoops said about him a couple of uh, weeks ago. But we kind of told you that Kentucky's a total fraud. And I know Will Levis didn't play in the game on Saturday, but I've also been telling you for a while, Kentucky's not any good at all. Uh, They're just not. And 
even without Levis, not being able to stand up at home against South Carolina, it's sort of the only proof that you need of that. That can still be a tough game on the road for Georgia later on the season. But in terms of actually being a competitor in the SEC East, this was always a work of fan fiction. It's just not real. It's just not true. And if you can't beat South Carolina, even that you're starting quarterback, that you don't belong in the conversation whatsoever. Uh, Kentucky's not one of the 25 best teams in the country, nor am I sure they ever really were. So uh, we kind of told you that Kentucky was frauds, and now you sort of know that for a fact. On the other side of that, though, Mississippi State's pretty good. Uh, They really are. And this was always looking to be a dangerous game for Georgia in November. And now it may have like the 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 hype to go along with that. I mean, Mississippi State's got a pretty good you know looking ranking next to their name right now. They handled an Arkansas team that also didn't have its starting quarterback on Saturday. Not quite the way I expected that one to go down, but nonetheless, Mississippi State very impressive in taking care of business here. And you, Will Rogers, by the way, the the Bulldogs quarterbacks having a very very a good season there too a lot of mike leach quarterbacks have but rogers in particular is playing very well they're better on defense than you probably realize mississippi state's just good they're just good uh so this is a tough game for georgia when you play it in november and the game's going to probably have a lot more hype around it when it is played than you would have imagined when you started looking ahead of this stuff way back in the spring and summer so we'll definitely be talking more about that including by the way more on that tomorrow there as well I think I can tell you something tomorrow that might make you feel better about Georgia's upcoming game against Mississippi State, Georgia's upcoming game against Tennessee. I think we can do that. We'll do that on the show a a little bit tomorrow. But for now, we'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And before we move on and hear from Stetson Bennett on a very important topic, I do want to give a shout out to the Atlanta Braves. First of all, for a few things. A, Thank you for not being in the wild card round because you didn't get embarrassed like the Mets did last night against San Diego Padres. Good teams avoid the wild card round. That's exactly what the Braves did. So good job there. Braves getting ready to get going tomorrow in divisional series action. I'll tell you more about that in a moment. Also, uh, how about locking up uh, Spencer Strider? Atlanta's been very good at this uh, over the course of the last couple of years. Young talent locking it down and keeping it in the fold many years to come and Spencer Strider becomes the latest example of that hope to see Strider healthy enough to be a contributor here in these playoffs as well at some point but in terms of the future clearly Spencer Strider's proven that I believe he should be the National League Rookie of the Year no disrespect to Michael Harris uh, the second but I believe that Strider's probably the guy that should win the award Braves also lock him up here long term too that's an example of what the Braves are doing very well right now and Uh, They're back to battle tomorrow in the uh, division series of the uh, National League playoffs, taking on the Philadelphia Phillies. Phillies, I thought, um, you know, were impressive in taking care of the uh, taking care of the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. And so here's what you got. You got game one and two for the Braves uh, starting tomorrow at just after 1 p.m. against the Phillies and then game two taking place on Wednesday in the afternoon there as well division series action against a hated division rival in the Philadelphia Phillies then you're going to go to Philly uh, Citizens Bank Park on Friday and Saturday then coming back here at home on Sunday if necessary so Braves Phillies tomorrow uh, begin the division series for the Braves. Now, here's what you can do. If you want to be in Truist Park both tomorrow and maybe even some limited tickets on uh, Wednesday, go to braves.com slash postseason. You've got standing room only tickets for tomorrow. You've got some limited tickets available there for uh for Tuesday. So you can do that. And then we'll kind of wait on Sunday to kind of see if that game's even necessary. But you can get some standing rooms tomorrow. You can get some uh, limited tickets for game two. Braves.com slash postseason for that. Braves.com slash postseason for that uh to be a part of game one game two on tuesday and wednesday they're at truest park then the the series shifts 
up to Philadelphia for three and four if necessary, and then coming back home if needed be. But you've been waiting for the Braves to be back in action. Their postseason run begins tomorrow. Back to battle uh, against the Philadelphia Phillies. So uh, we'll see that. Braves.com slash postseason for more on that. And, of course, we enjoy this time of year because the Atlanta Braves in the postseason. And we also enjoy this time of year when it comes to the Georgia Bulldogs there, too. But maybe at times, maybe there's not enough enjoyment taking place. Maybe for some people, there's this temptation to kind of take it to too negative of a place or get kind of wrapped up in stuff that ultimately is kind of a peripheral issue and kind of an intramural squabble more so than the stuff that matters the most sometimes you sort of see that from some georgia fans or maybe even sometimes see that from georgia players themselves i thought that stetson bennett on saturday had something very interesting to say along these lines in terms of as we've kind of laid it out for you today georgia gets a 42 10 win over one of its most hated rivals in auburn and a lot went right for georgia some stuff went wrong and how do you process all of that how do you make sense of a game like this so many different data points to consider well that Stetson Bennett had some interesting words on this topic on Saturday both in terms of how the team views this but also as maybe a little bit of a model for how we should all kind of view some of this kind of stuff too listen to Stetson Bennett from Saturday I think we got to do a better job about that uh I think I think we do let people tell us how we should feel about a 42 to 10 sec victory against auburn yeah we got things have like enjoy it man like what do we do um we got things to clean up but that's football we're not gonna be perfect and you know we should want to be but i don't think we should kill ourselves if we're not you know i got things to, I, I got things to you know get better um a lot a million things but we just beat auburn they they got a good football team and we beat them pretty good um so i think we should be happy and just keep getting better if what Bennett is saying is true for himself and his team, then trust me when I tell you that's quadruply true for all of us who are not on the field playing or on the sidelines coaching. That on balance, I think the response from Dog Nation to a game like that against Auburn should be overwhelmingly positive. And I believe actually for the most part it probably is. Here's the thing I'm going to tell you. And you can believe me, you cannot, you can ignore me if you want to. Obviously you have the freedom to do whatever you want to. I think that some people are getting drawn off sides by the way in which the conversations about Georgia football online poorly reflect the Georgia conversations that happen in person and face-to-face. I'm just telling you, there are two different worlds. that They really are. And listen, I'm not telling you not to go online. I love social media for Georgia football. I love message boards for Georgia football. I love all that kind of stuff. I'm constantly racing online to see what Georgia fans are saying. The good takes, the awful takes, everything else in between. I can't get enough of any of it. I love it. But here's the one thing I tried to do. And this may sound corny and hokey, but this is maybe I'm just sort of corny and hokey as a dude. I guess I probably am. For every conversation I have about Georgia football online or for every conversation about Georgia football I observe online, because those conversations have a tendency to lean more negative than positive, I try to at least match that, if not double it, with conversations had face to face and in person. I do. It's one of the reasons why in our Dog Nation postgame show, when we can bring people in person onto the show and stand next to me and talk that's one of the reasons why we do that not because i don't like the people who speak to us online uh but because the in-person conversation just gives you a little bit different perspective on all of this that's just kind of the way that 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 goes that in person face to face at your tailgate at your church on sunday morning at your breakfast spot on you know sunday morning or lunch spot on sunday afternoon 
the conversation that people have in person, face-to-face as it relates to Georgia football, is just more likely to be positive. And you can say, well, those people are Pollyannas, or those people are what, Disney dogs, whatever it is that people call them. You can say that they're, you know, incorrectly positive. They're too positive. They're too favorable, whatever else. Uh, but the same thing could be said about the folks online who are maybe too negative or whatever the the, the opposite of Disney dog is. Maybe those people are are, are too much the other direction there too. The point is, I think it's important to kind of just maintain a little bit of perspective. That Georgia is number one, and it is not bad to be number one. And Georgia just beat Auburn 42 to 10. And a lot more has to go right for that to occur than the opposite. That this is as good as it's ever going to get. And that if you can't be happy enjoying this, then you just can't be happy. And that's something you probably ought to work on. So in the case of Stetson Bennett, I'd listen pretty closely to to what he said. Don't let anybody tell you how you should feel about a 42-10 win over Auburn. Celebrate it. And yeah, him in particular, he needs to get better. But uh, there's also a half of a regular season left to do that. And there's also a standing track record that Georgia got better when it needed to a year ago. So Dog Nation, I believe, should be all smiles. Not because everything's perfect. Things will never be perfect. But things are great. And Saturday was another example of that. All right, so with that in mind, let's give you a couple of golden shoes. And hopefully that'll put a uh, smile on your face there as well. Including, uh, starting with this one, a lot of folks having fun here. By the way, speaking of Stetson Bennett, who kind of showed his jets on the way uh, towards a touchdown on Saturday. Was it 67 yards? How long the run was? I'm going to date myself with the reference because I know exactly who this is. Frank Palumbo says, ladies and gentlemen, how about Mr. Jetson? Not Stetson, but Jetson, as in the Jetsons cartoon. And Stetson certainly turned on the Jets on Saturday for that long touchdown run. And Frank looks good here, uh, kind of putting Stetson bit on the body. Is that George Jetson? Is that who that is? The former cartoon star, George Jetson? Admittedly, I did grow up watching the Jetsons on Saturday morning, so I know what that is. So uh, good stuff from Frank there on that. Also, our buddy Mad Dog weighing in, too. You know, we were told that Auburn had the chance to demolish Georgia. That's obviously a laugher. Mike the Mad Dog says, when you fantasize about demolishing Georgia, but in reality, they're no threat at all. You see Godzilla on the one side. You see a hairy dog holding a Godzilla-style stuffed animal on the other side. The difference between fantasy and reality. Very good stuff from our buddy Mad Dog. Uh, Very well done indeed. Also, speaking of another hated rival, how about our Gator-hater updater? Georgia handled business against Auburn on Saturday in Florida Looms, and we'll remind them that their ineptitude knows no bounds. 5,023 days. That's how long it's been since they have won a national championship. And their countdown continues towards beatdown. How about 19 days from right now? Georgia back in Jacksonville beating up on Florida again. That is our Gator Hater Countdown. We will see all of you on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Palo Window and Door of Georgia, back here again tomorrow. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews Podcast Cooldown. We'll take your comments here, either on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily or in the comment section at dognation.com. And uh, first of all, on a serious note, I want to mention our uh, continued prayers for a speedy recovery for the great former coach and athletic director Vince Dooley. I mentioned this on social media over the weekend, but he was hospitalized and not able to be in his normal home on game days. Every Saturday, you can typically find him right there at the UGA bookstore before their Georgia home game. Was not able to be there on Saturday, so under the weather right now we're praying hard for him and can't wait to see him back again in Athens there very soon and always love looking up there at the uh, big sign right there on the uh, on the stadium that says Dooley Field very proud of that name very deserved uh, reward for the career that he has put together at UGA and can't wait to see him back 
at the field that bears his name again very, very soon. So I uh, can't wait to see that for Coach Dooley and certainly continue to pray for his very speedy recovery, a little sick there uh, right now. On, um, uh, I guess, a lighter note, <laughs> our buddy Nature Gators, big Florida fan, who's always interacting on Twitter with me and everybody interacts with me, was talking about how I personally says, take delight. Let me see if I can find this quote. I want to read this accurately. Uh, he says that Brandon Adams takes much delight in demeaning other SEC coaches and programs on his podcast and on Twitter. If there was ever an accurate review or an accurate assess- assessment of me as a person, I'd say that's just about right. Yeah, I do. I take great delight in making fun of other SEC teams and uh, other SEC coaches in particular. And we do that on Twitter. We do that on the podcast. And yes, we do enjoy that indeed. And hopefully you enjoyed that there too. We certainly appreciate your participation in it. So thanks for being here for our podcast, Cool Down Today. We'll come back and do all of this again tomorrow. Of course, big thanks to R.S. Andrews for making it all possible too. Air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric. You can find all of that with our friends at R.S. Andrews. They show up on time. They do the work that's promised, the price that's promised. You can trust them on that. And heating systems as we get ready for winter. Go ahead and get that heating unit tuned back up to factory fresh specs. Find R.S. Andrews online, rsandrews.com, for a lot more on that today. Y'all have a good day. We will see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. We'll see you then.